like to extend a very warm welcome to one and to all. Uh, if you're here perhaps for the first time, we're really glad that you're with us today. Thanks for taking some of your weekend uh, to pursue things that are eternal in nature and uh, to see God do His purpose and work in and through our lives together as a church. Um, we're in the middle of a series. If you're joining us today online, I know you'd be here if you could be, if you're local. Uh, so please just extend, be, receive our love as we extend it to you today. If you're visiting us from across the planet, wherever you are tuning in today, we're glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to Destiny Atherton, and uh, pray God will bless you. Let's open our heart to God's Word. We're in the middle of a series called The Mission of Jesus. We're leading up to Christmas, and of course, Christmas is a time that the world, particularly the Christian world, celebrates the giving and the birth of Jesus Christ. What day was Jesus born? Answer is, I don't know. Uh, but we choose, we've chosen historically to celebrate, celebrate this day as a day to remember that Christ came. How do we know that Jesus came? One of the most convincing reasons we have for Christ's birth and His existence is this thing called the church. Still 2,000 years later, people are feeling like they are connecting with Him who was born in a manger. And that's a strange thing, but it's a reality. If you don't have that personal connection, today could be a day where you could start and discover what the Christian faith is all about. The other reason why we're studying this particular topic is Jesus says these words in John chapter 20. He says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're sent. Just look at somebody else and say, I'm sent. Go ahead, tell somebody. <laughs> now, I know some of you got had an argument with the missus or with the hubby before you came this morning. You're thinking to yourself, yeah, I wish you'd go. <laughs> The rest of us got good marriages. We're really excited that uh, we're sitting beside our sweetheart, and uh, it's good. It's good. Last week, we spoke about John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus came to give life. That's his purpose. That's his agenda, and that's his heart for us. This morning, I want to continue on with a series of other verses that help us understand the reason why God sent his son, Jesus, the reason why Jesus came, and more than that, what our mission then is, because as the Father sent Jesus, so that we can continue his work here on earth. There's some work that Jesus did that only Jesus could do, but there's some things that have been entrusted into our care, and uh, that's powerful. Number one, um, we understand that Jesus came to not abolish the old covenant, but to fulfill the old covenant. Not to do away with and say that law didn't matter, but to complete it and show that he was the, here's some deep theology for you, that he was the second Adam or the last man to complete the law and fulfill the law. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross, he said those, that, that word that we translate, um, talistai, we translate in English, it is finished. Uh, absolutely powerful. It's finished. The law and the weight we approach God through sacrificial obedience, that system is complete and fulfilled. And Jesus said, nothing will pass away from this law until it's fulfilled. He fulfilled it when he died on the cross. That's why Jesus came. Is the law useful? Yes, it still is useful. You read in Paul's writings in, in his letters to the early church, and, and most Aussies would go, well, what's the point? What's the value of that? But of course, when you understand that all of us have a law written in our heart, and we know, like Joel was talking about this morning, that we violated it. We know when someone's trespassed against us, don't we? We know when someone's cut us off in traffic. You don't need to go to a class to learn about that, right? When someone does something wrong and you suffer injustice, you know, right? 
So we know there's a law written in our heart and we also know when we've gone too far, when we've gone across the line, where we've sinned, where we've gone astray. And that's why we need Jesus to fulfill the law was one of the reasons why Jesus came. Number two, this is where it gets real for us. Number two is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Do you remember being lost? Do you remember what it felt like? Now, I'm really trying to pause here and get you for a minute. So just, would you let me? Would you let me take you back in your mind to a moment where you didn't know what life was about? Where you wandered aimlessly, just gratifying your own physical body and nothing else. No perspective of eternity was there in your consciousness. You were lost. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Literally, you had no consciousness of God. You had no aliveness within you. Do you remember that? And Jesus came to seek, someone say seek, thank you Sammy, to seek and to save that which is lost, right? Now if you've ever lost something, um, the other day I was working with my dad out at the farm and uh, I don't know how but this little lump hammer got put down and I was packing up some stuff and I put it into the wheelbarrow and I pushed the wheelbarrow into the shed and then we got around to doing another job and I needed that hammer. And you... One, two, better. I'll just go and sit down. And I went looking for this. I went looking for this hammer and I couldn't find it. And it really troubled me because I've got OCD. Just look straight ahead and the rest of us won't know what we're talking about. Just, and it's, it's, it's not where it should be. And of course, that was messing with my head. Can I get a witness here from somebody? I was messing with my head and my dad's going, just get another hammer. No, dad, you don't understand. We've got to find that hammer. Where could it be? And you've got to, when something's lost, you've got to go looking for it. Ah, just get another hammer. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't go, let's just get some more sheep? Aren't you glad, you, well, let's just get another planet. Aren't you glad that he came to seek and to save that which is lost? So here it is for you and here it is for I. Who is it that we are seeking? What are we doing deliberately and intentionally to seek out lost people? Paul the Apostle writes to his spiritual son, and uh, he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He said, you know, there's a lot of sinners in the world, but I reckon I'm probably the, the worst one. I'm probably the worst one. And I'm so glad that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know what? Destiny Church needs to rediscover its mission in seeing, in seeing, in seeing sinners find salvation. Can I get a witness here from somebody? That's the mission of the church. That's the mission that Jesus has given to us. To go into all the world and declare there's a new way of life, there's a new kingdom, there's a new way of living. There's salvation in His name and in His name alone. So that's why universalism fails. Because you've got to throw the entire Bible out and all the New Testament because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. To transform us into, but we get to believe, we get to receive, we get to choose. We get to choose life. So what do you do, what do you do in your life right now to help fulfill this part of the mission that you've got that's been entrusted to you? 
There's a little book here called The Book of Life that I picked up in Singapore one time I was there. And in it, the idea is that you write down the names of people that you are praying for and that you're going to do something deliberately and intentionally to reveal the love and the goodness and the kindness and the justice of Jesus for. Have you got a prayer list with five names on it? Get your pen out, write that down, write that down. Next year, before the year starts, I'm going to write down the list of five people that I can believe God is going to use my life to shine His light through to them. But David, I'm not an evangelist. No, 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 you're not, but you're a witness. You're a witness. You can pray. Everybody can pray. Can't we all pray, Destiny? We can all pray. Two, we can all show the love of God, practically demonstrate the kindness of God towards someone else. Can't we do that? All of us could invite somebody to our home for a meal. Well, David, you haven't seen the state of my house. Just just invite them onto the veranda, okay? It takes less time to clean up the veranda. Just invite them onto the front veranda for a coffee. Don't invite them in, right? And we'll break that hoarding spirit off you in Jesus' name. But there's something that all of us can do. When someone tells us about their problem, we can say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. This week I was with the upholsterers and uh, he was limping around real bad. I said, mate, you look like you got a bad back. He said, yeah, I've got a real bad back. I said, I'm a Christian. He looked at me and his eyes sort of flooded. And I said, and he sort of said, well, yeah. And, and I said, and I believe in prayer. Could I pray for you? Now, I've just stepped out of the boat, Margaret. I just stepped out of the boat. What's going to happen? Well, he can say no. See, we live with this lie. Well, if I was to witness and offend them, that they might never get saved. We believe that lie. We believe that lie. We believe Jesus can be raised from the dead, but he can't get past your mistake. Come on. Jesus has got this mission within him and Christ is in you. His Holy Spirit is resident within you and he's the spirit of the harvest. Holy Spirit is the spirit of the harvest. Seek and save the lost. How many friends have you got that are not goody-goody Christians? Some of you got too many and some of you got not enough. Look at me like I'm preaching to you weird. This is what the church is actually all about. We exist for the non-members. We're here, Destiny Church is here to seek and to see salvation come to lost people. Gallup did a survey one time and said, how many, what percentage of people would go to church if they were just asked? 75% of people said that they would go if they were just asked. Imagine that. If you've got a book of life, You just start something simple, maybe on your iPad or your iPhone, and say, these five people, I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to seek to show the kindness and the love of God in a practical way. I'm going to invite them into my home or onto my veranda. (laughs) Perhaps the garage is a safe place. Maybe you should just take them out for coffee and be done with it. But, but, But we can all demonstrate hospitality, right? And show and share the love of Jesus Because I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church where people are finding faith. Thanks, honey. I want to be part of a church where people are finding faith and hope in life. 
I want this building filled and filled and filled and filled with people. I want it to be hard for people in, in, in Atherton to go to hell. I want it hard for them. I want the love and the life and the power and the anointing and authority of Jesus so flowing through our church that we fulfill what Jesus is doing in the earth today. He's still seeking and he's still saving. If he saved you, <laughs> if he saved you, there's a chance he could probably do something half decent with someone else. You're looking pretty today, but we both know what you're really like. Put you under pressure and all kinds of stuff will come out, right? Not me, Pastor. I got it all together. Really, really, just the wrong set of circumstances and you'll be astonished what you're capable of. That's why Jesus came, to seek and to save. Praise God for salvation. Number three, number three, to demonstrate God in his realm, the realm of God, the realm of the supernatural, the realm of his kingdom. You know, most of Jesus' parables and, to, and, his, and his sermons are all about the kingdom of God, the realm. What's the kingdom? It's where the king has his dominion. That's what the kingdom's all about. That's the message of Jesus. It's all about the king and his dominion, his dominance in life and in life circumstances, in life situations. Jesus has got authority over every work of the enemy. He's got authority over sickness. He's got authority over sin. He's got authority over death. He's got authority over evil spirits. He's got authority over nature. Jesus is supreme. It's to demonstrate his glory and his goodness. John chapter 1 verse 14, the word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's nothing to compare Jesus with. If you say, well, Jesus is just an historical figure or Jesus is just a prophet or Jesus is just a spiritually significant individual. Maybe he's just a good teacher is to actually deny the historical record of who Christ is and what he came to bring to us. It's in Jesus' name that evil spirits get cast out. We still believe in demons in this church. It's just that we're not afraid, afraid of them. Darkness has never overcome light. Light shines into the darkness, and darkness never overcomes it. Darkness never overpowers it. There is a name above all other names, and it's at that name that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. He is Lord. Number three, to demonstrate the power of God and the realm of the kingdom. I tell you what, we need to have a deeper understanding of what it is like to walk with the King, exercising His authority and His dominance in the circumstance, in the situations of life. That's what my prayer is for you, that you will be the head and not the tail, that you'll be above and not beneath, that you'll have the capacity to lend to many nations, have no need to borrow, because God wants you to be above. Number four, number four, the fourth reason we're sharing today of why Jesus came, the mission of Jesus, is because he wants to show us that he's got the power to destroy sin and the power of death. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 2. It's there on the board. It says in verse 14 and 15, us children share in flesh and blood, so he himself likewise partook of the same things. In other words, he became flesh and blood just like us. That through death, he might destroy, someone say destroy, destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death 
were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm not sure who I'm preaching today, but I'm sure that there are people in our church and people watching this today, and you're afraid of death, you're afraid of dying. I want to tell you that when Jesus comes into your heart, when he comes into your life, an incredible peace will always be a part of that process. I'm talking to my good friend Pete. He's my best man at my wedding, and we've been friends. We've been friends for about 35, 36 years, and Pete is fighting for his life. He's not fighting alone, but he is fighting for his life. His, his physical condition is terminal. When I spoke to him the other night, we were just chatting on the phone. He's in hospital. We were just chatting on the phone, and I was overcome by the calm in his voice. A man who probably just about 24 hours ago in a sense, in a sense, cheated death. He had a blood clot in his lung and, and the nurses were going and the doctors were going, but a young country doctor walked in and said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy with the scan. Get another scan. Got a scan and found that there was a clot in his lung that if it had not been diagnosed that night, Pete would have gone home to be with the Lord. Now heaven is calling without a doubt and shy of the master touching him, um, He's going to get a promotion soon. But I was struck by how calm and how peaceful he was as he talked about his current set of circumstances. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He wasn't demanding. He was full of praise and full of gratitude and full of life. And I thought, there's salvation. There's the kingdom of God right there. That power of fear of death has been broken off that man's life. And God, I'm so very very thankful for that. There's three things I want you to write down and three things I want you to learn today. If you don't take away anything else, take these three things here. Salvation is being saved from the penalty of sin. When you receive Christ, the penalty of sin is broken and cancelled. Joel spoke about it to us today. The price is paid at Calvary in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our sin. Secondly, sanctification is being delivered, is being saved, is being freed from the power, the overwhelming power and oppression of sin. That happens as we are discipled, as we become mature Christians, as we grow in our strength, as we grow in our relationship, as we grow in wisdom. And then thirdly, say, David, why am I still tempted? Well, because you're still bleeding, that's why. You're still breathing, you're still living. Well, ever you're on this realm... That's part of this experience. But when you step into glory, when you step into glory, glorification is being saved from the presence of sin. You know, there's going to come a day where the master will wipe away all tears from our eyes, where there'll be no night and there'll be no tempter and our weakness will no longer be. Aren't you glad for that? Joel's excited about that. Anyone else excited about that? Three things I want you to learn today. Number one, salvation is being free from the penalty of sin. Sanctification is being saved, being free from the power of sin. And glorification is being liberated, transformed, moved beyond, saved from the presence of sin. That's why Jesus came, John chapter 3, verse 8, his first letter to the early church. John said, this is the reason that Jesus was manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. Number five to do the will of the Father. Number five, to do the will of the Father. This is why Jesus came, to do the Father's will. Guess what? That's why we're being sent as well, to put into practice in our own lives the will of the Father. Have you ever prayed, your kingdom come? 
your will be done. Ever prayed that prayer? Well, do you know what? Before his kingdom can come, our kingdom's got to go. Before his will can be real in our life, guess what? Our will's got to bow. I've got to decrease in order for him to increase. I've got to do the Father's will, which means I've got to say no to my will. So let me ask you this question, Destiny. When was the last time you said no to something you wanted to do so that you could say yes to his call, his invitation, his leading? When was the last time you said yes to Jesus to do what he wanted, not what you wanted? Number six, Jesus came to be the light of the world. I love this one. I love this one. Jesus came to be the light of the world. People say, you Christians, you just got this blind faith. Actually, no, we don't. We don't. There's no such thing as blind faith. The Bible never advocates a nonsense like that. The Greek word for faith is, and I'm not swearing, just hang on. The Greek word for faith is pistis. It literally means to become convinced of something by exploration or by examination. Jesus never said, I'm the great darkness to come into the world. He said, I'm the great light. So when Jesus shines his light in your heart, guess what? Things become illuminated. Things become real. Things become, I never noticed that before. Stuff that was lurking around your life suddenly now is apparent. And you go, that's actually a destructive habit right there. No wonder I was tripping over. No wonder I was stumbling around the darkness. But when the light came, I was able to see what my purpose was, what my journey was supposed to be like, where I'm actually heading. I love this about Jesus. He's the great light that's come into the world. In him was life, John said. And that life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness. And you know what? The darkness cannot grasp it. It can't fathom it. It can't overcome it. It can't, it can't out overtake it. It can't outrun it. It can't extinguish it. Light is never intimidated by darkness. That's why the church needs to rise up and shine. That's why the church needs to find its voice. That's why the church never needs to be ashamed because it's truth. That is, that's our department, right? That's what we're all about, light. When we like the darkness, it means that our deeds are questionable. When we come into the light, you know what? We're saying, God, I want to be, I want to be transparent. I want to be open. I want to be vulnerable before you. This is the mission of Jesus. And he's given that to us as, all, as well to go into the world and to stand as beacons of hope, as a resource of light for people. Who is it in your world that is lost and doesn't know which way to go? If you are, if you are, if you are letting the Word of God live in you, then what is the Word? It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And if you're shining, guess what? Other people can see. Well, I'll just, I'll just keep my little light down here. I don't want to draw attention to myself. You know, playing it small does no favors for God. Arise and shine, for the glory of God is upon you. And boy, is it time for the church to stand up and speak up, not about what we're against, but about what we're for. We're for freedom from enemy oppression. We're for freedom from confusion and anxiety. We're for healthy marriages. We're for prosperous families. We're for health and wholeness and victory. We're for dancing in church. 
We're for fun and adventure. We're for heaven. It's time to shine. Just turn to someone and say, you look radiant to me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell somebody. <laughs> what? I just, I just struggle to understand why some people think having a long face is spiritual. I, I just don't get it. And it's like that horse that walked in the bar and the barman says, why the long face? It's like, I don't know why some Christians think that being, being like you've sucked on a lemon makes you spiritual. Come on, it's the joy of the Lord. That's where strength is. To be the light of the world. Whenever Jesus went to a party, do you know what? Jesus didn't hide in the corner going, man, there's alcohol here. There's sinners here. I can lose my sanctification. When you've got health, guess what? Sickness is afraid of you. When you've got the anointing, hell is afraid of you. Be the light in the world. Shine. Don't go, oh, we'll be bright on Sunday and then, oh, the, here comes the candle again on Sunday. Don't do that. Stand up. Show off. God's been good to you. Some of you just got to learn how to shine in the situation, in the darkness. Say, David, you don't know what it's like in my marriage. You don't know what it's like in my family. You don't know what it's like in my street. You don't know what it's like in my workplace. Just go ahead and shine. Just go ahead and start dancing while it's still raining. Just go ahead and start singing. Even when you're still barren and nothing's coming. And you haven't given birth to a new idea or something creative or some life has not been... Just start singing out the praises of God. Just let the light begin to shine in the darkness of your situation. And be Jesus today. Be Jesus today. Number seven. I'm going to finish with this point. Number seven. Our worship team are coming back. Jesus came to die for our sins. Our worship team coming back to the platform. Jesus came to die for our sins. Why are we so morbid as Christians talking about death and sin and suffering and the cross and the blood? Why do we talk about that? See, everyone is born and dies, but Jesus was born to die. And he died for the sins of the whole world. But it'd be a tragedy if we don't actually see that message that's there for us. So David, what's that message for me? Well, it's simple. Take up your cross daily. Lay down your life your will and your agenda daily. I'm astonished how many people call themselves Christian could get so bent out of shape about people who wouldn't be vaccinated or people who were vaccinated. And we let, in many Christian communities, we let something like that divide us into two camps and hate formed in our heart. How? How in that moment of testing could we have got it so wrong? How could we have missed this gospel message of laying down our lives for each other? The Christian message is the hardest message to preach and it's the hardest message to live. If there's something in order to be extinct on the planet, it's the gospel. 
But yet, every single year, it continues to thrive and grow. Because the call to self-sacrifice goes out into the world, championed by our example, Jesus Christ, to lay down your life for each other. No one has got a greater love than this, than you lay down your life for your friends. But Jesus, He took it up a notch. And He said, do good to your enemies. Pray for those. Give to those that want to rob from you. Give something extra to them. He's on next level, Jesus. He's on next level. Judgment of the world because the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. I'm glad that Jesus came to die in my place. But now it's my turn to lay down my life for the cause of Jesus Christ. This is the mission of Jesus. The sacrifice of self. The decapitation of pride. An attitude of heart that says, I'm here to serve and to give and to surrender. Not to be antagonistic. Not to idolize offenses or hurts or wounds. But to say Jesus and His cause and His kingdom is all that is to live for. Can I get a witness in this place this morning? So as I close this message, I've got a challenge. I'd love you to write this down. I'd love you to think about that this week. Here's the questions. In what ways are you laying down your life right now? Right now. In what ways are you saying, my kingdom go so that his kingdom can come? And what sacrifices of self are becoming evident in your day-to-day life and living? Can others see Jesus in you? Can others see the life of God within you? Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word week by week, as we come to this table of communion week by week, as we gather our hearts and unite our purpose to see Jesus preached, promoted, and praised, to see his kingdom come here first in and through our lives, in our community, then beyond that to this Tableland region, beyond that to far north Queensland, beyond that to our nation, Lord, and indeed to the nations of the world. We're praying for a mighty awakening of purpose in my heart, in our hearts, so that we would see your kingdom come in all of its beauty, in all of its magnificence, in all of its glory and its wonder, We want to see your kingdom come, Lord. So would you help us, Jesus? By your Holy Spirit, would you help us to live a life mindful of how brief it is and live a life on purpose, live a life on mission, live a life surrendered to Jesus so that others can hear the story so that others can find the Savior, so that our nation can fulfill its prophetic destiny. Lord, this is our prayer and our will in Jesus' name.